This is a Broad Pods production. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. More of us. Broad Radio. Here for more. Well, Sample, I do love it when a theme emerges in our show, which I feel has sort of happened today. We've just spoken with Emma about resilience and, and sort of just acceptance managing the struggle of life and I think that conversation might continue with our next guest. She is someone that I'm equally a fan of, a writer, singer, musician, broadcaster. Her latest book, Childless, A Story of Freedom and Longing, is out now um, and I'm really pleased to welcome her, Dr. Sean Pryor. Hi. Hello, lovely to be here. Sean, you are one of the writers that I read where I go, "Mm, I reckon I'd be friends with her. (laughs) (laughs) I really do feel that. It was sort of your writing around her. My work here is done. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm sure that's every every writer's goal is to make the reader want to be your best friend or feel like they already are perhaps. Is it because, though, that you share such incredibly beautiful personal parts of yourself and is that why you share it because you're hoping people like myself feel less alone yes 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 um (laughs) you know everything everything your beautiful last guest emma said i would just felt like cheering um because you know her conversation about vulnerability and um uh you know admitting you're not perfect and kind of wrangling the inner critic is that's my bag as well um that's been my sort of lifelong struggle i guess and i know i'm not robinson crusoe in any of that and um yeah so so and look to be honest sometimes i regret it i have these deep moments of panic about oversharing in my books and my my articles and i think people are going to think I'm an idiot and um, I feel shame and I feel like I've been self-pitying in public and then I just have to talk myself down from those fears because they are very old fears and they're very familiar probably to many of us um, and, and remind myself that, you know, people do often contact me 
having read either of my memoirs and actually say, oh, my God, you just wrote a book about me. And that's that's exactly what you want. Mm. And in your new book, you, you wrote about being childless. Was, it, was that something where you thought, oh, this could be tricky, putting myself out there talking about being childless? It's a really interesting question, Seppel. Um, I... What I thought and knew would be tricky was was doing the writing because I knew that it would be, I would force, be forced to re-immerse myself in some really, really painful grief-stricken moments in my life. And part of me was like, why would I want to do that? Um, but I, I also knew that it was a process I, I wanted to go through. And for me, processing stuff happens best when I write about it. Uh, you know, if I'm just trying to think things through, I get a bit overwhelmed with all of those feelings that, that, that Emma was talking about. When I write, I have to focus and I have to ask myself the hard questions and um, see things in a fresh light. Um, and as for the the kind of then putting it out in public, I think because I'd had such a generally positive response to the book about shyness and social anxiety, I just had to keep saying to myself, it's okay, people, you know, people do, people are kind. People are kinder than we fear um, and people are grateful to see other people's vulnerability. It's, it is a topic, though, that uh, is incredibly personal and painful, but also weirdly political in that everyone thinks they can have an opinion about women who are childless. They sure do. And I think they have done for, for centuries. <laughs> and, and sometimes I wonder if there's something terribly frightening about women who are childless, you know, whether there's something uh, that goes against what, what we've been taught to think of as natural, you know, and therefore there's something unnatural about women without children and, and anything unnatural is potentially a bit dangerous. And you think about the language around women without children, you know, words like barren. I can't believe a word like barren still exists in the vocabulary in 2022. But um, our own former first female prime minister, Julia Gillard, who does not have children for reasons that are none of anyone's business except hers, um, you know, she copped the most terrible vitriol and, and, you know, raging anger that often was focused on the fact that she was childless and she was kind of, you know, it was implied that she was almost a sociopath because she didn't have children and words like, you know, witch is ditch the witch and words like crone and, you know, all of that stuff that's embedded in our language tells us so much about... Um, guess what we fear and what we perhaps what we don't understand and I guess that was also part of my aim in in writing this this second memoir about childlessness was to try and help people understand what people like me have experienced and how hard it can be if you do want children and for a myriad of different reasons are unable to have them um, you know I've been accused of choosing to be a career woman over having children and it's like I just I'm like I don't even know where to start <laughs> with explaining to you 
how wrong that is. Sean, you're, you're so absolutely right. I mean, about Julia Gillard, you know, you know I remember really um, vividly how she was referred to as being deliberately barren at mm. one stage. And the subtext, of course, was, you know, what would she know? What would she understand about making, you know, policies around families? And um, I'm finding this um, conversation a little bit um, uncomfortable and triggering because, you know, like you, I'm also childless and I had a, a bit of a traumatic tearful you know journey of it all um and ended up with um no children um so in my experience being childless has meant you know sort of being othered in a different way so I've been othered throughout my life for other reasons like you know I've got an unusual name you know for my ethnicity for simply being a woman for my religious background and then what was a real slap in the face a kick in the guts was being othered for being childless by other women assumptions around oh can we trust her to babysit oh should we even invite her she'll be bored at the kids party um will she even want to do this people would make decisions on your behalf and i found that really really upsetting well what was your experience like yeah exactly that and 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 i'm yeah i'm sorry that you have by the sound of it had some similar experiences and i i am deeply conscious that my book and this topic can be incredibly uh, triggering and difficult for women to talk about, but um, part of me just thinks I've got to, I've got to push through. You know, I've got to keep finding a way to have these conversations in public. Um, but yeah, I, I, I try to be gracious in my assumptions about why people jump to conclusions about me. You know, I. I wasn't invited to the birthday parties either and um, even from people who knew in great detail the kind of journey I'd been through desperately trying to have kids and I have tried to say to myself, well, maybe they think it will be too painful for me to see others having what I can't have. Uh, But that's not their choice to make in a way, you know, it's my choice to make that uh, decision. and. And unless we have the conversations and stop just jumping to conclusions, then people are going to continue to be um, to be hurt and to feel excluded and and to feel othered. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, and those stereotypes are, you know, are ridiculous. You know, I had this experience which I've written about in the book of many many years ago uh, going on a, a trip to the snow with some people and there was a person there who I'd only just met and I, I happened to be up on a mezzanine and you know looking for something and they continued talking downstairs but of course I could hear them and this person said I'm really surprised I like Sean you know I usually find childless women so selfish oh my god yeah. <laughs> what a thing to and say I, you know, it's it's so weird because of course part of me is like oh she likes me but the much bigger part of me is like ah because i'm childless people are assuming that i am selfish and yeah you know circle i i so feel what you said about the it's like adding insult to injury on the one hand we have endured you know often these really 
gruelling, absolutely heartbreaking experiences. And then to have someone come along and say something mean <laughs> about you as a result of those terrible experiences, it just, I mean, it's gobsmackingly well, unfair. I it? mean, people like that are just flat out dumb, right? That's stupidity, <laughs> okay? That's the first thing I would say to that. But the second thing I would say, and mean <coughs> and stupid, um, which is not a great combination in someone. No. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing I would say is people are, in general, very bad at the discomfort of grief. They're very bad at feeling as though I'm going to have to sit with the fact that you've gone through something very painful and still are probably carrying that in you and I might make it worse and I don't know what to say and I'm really, oh, it's just easy not to have them there rather than the kindness of including people that you love in your life. You know, that that's what it is, right? That's absolutely what it is. And I myself have been guilty both of failing to deal with the grief of, of people closely and feeling that sense of like, oh, I don't know what to do or say. Um, and I've also been guilty of not allowing myself to experience and acknowledge grief. And that's another part of, I guess, <clears throat> the project and the revelation of writing a book about childlessness is I, I looked back and I thought, I was so busy just trying to think of the next solution to this problem that I never paused to say to myself, man, this is hard. This is hard and heartbreaking and I am so very sad about what's happening here and and angry. You know, I was I was really angry about I was angry with my body, I was angry with the medical profession, I was angry with the men with whom I tried to have children and, you know, again, as, as beautiful Emma Murray said, quite often I was so busy looking ahead that I didn't allow myself to sit in that moment and say, sad, angry, terrible place to be, but this is the place I am in and I need to kind of honour that. Um, so, so yeah, writing about it was a form of therapy for me of, of finally saying, oh, yeah, that was really terrible. <laughs> Poor me, looking back and having compassion for my earlier self, really. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. 
more of us. Broad Radio. Here for more. Sean, I wrote a little letter. It was someone's um, bright idea, which was beautiful. They said, just pour all your feelings into a letter and then torch it, watch it burn. And it was really cathartic. And I just loved that ritual. I was like, oh, yeah, it's just melted away. Um, so I, I understand how, you know, writing a whole book would have been totally, um, you know, useful for you. But I'm I, not I going to take burn. the um, don't burn it. <laughs> don't burn it. Don't burn it. <laughs> I, I do want to take the conversation baby. in a slightly different um, direction, though, because um, I like to think of myself as a bit of a diversity and inclusion champion. And when we when we're talking around women's uh, equity and, and, and you know women's equality, often the conversations are around, uh, framed around gender um, inequity initiatives that are tied into to motherhood and, and women like you and I often sit on the sidelines, we're not part of the conversation. Uh, and I, you know, I felt that in, in previous roles where, you know, I was put on radio shifts that no one else wanted to do because they had families and they were like, oh, she doesn't have family, put her on the horrible shift and that conversation um, wasn't ever around, oh, well, she's already grieving about not being childless and then she's almost being punished for not having children and doing these shifts that no one else wants to do. So is it time that we sort of looked at childless women as part of that inclusivity conversation when we're having these conversations about the work workplace and other areas of our life as well? Oh, I couldn't agree more. Um, and, you know, I have quite a lot of close friends who are childless, I guess, we gravitated towards each other because of what we had in common and because we have time for each other. You know, we have time that for other women is taken up by looking after their kids. Um, and all of those friends of mine without children are the ones working so very hard, doing all the overtime, allowing people with families to take the best leave, you know, and them doing the, you know, the crappy days and the crappy hours because, yeah, they don't have children um, and you know all of that language the language of politics and certainly in the last couple of decades has been so much about working families you know mm. that phrase that became so popular and every time I hear that phrase I feel left out and I think you know the, there's there's got to be a catch-up here because statistically people like me are on the increase People who are without children, perhaps living alone, perhaps single, uh, and we are, it's like, it's like we're invisible when it comes to, as you say, that sort of consideration of, of policy and, um, you know, government largesse and, uh, and people, you know, some people would say, well, you know, you're lucky you don't have to spend money on children and school fees and, you know, you've got all this freedom. And I... I do acknowledge that, you know, that's one of the reasons why my book is called Childless, A Story of Freedom and Longing. She says, check in the title. <laughs> <laughs> the order right. The order is very important. Um, uh, and, and, you know, and that is something that I have tried to do. You know, I, I, I really don't want to sit here and say, oh, poor me for, for half an hour. I also want to acknowledge that, um, Part of my attempt to 
deal with this sadness in a in a more resilient way was to say okay well what what can i have as a result of not having the thing i'm most wanted in my life and what i can have is an incredible amount of freedom and so i write about you know turning 50 and getting myself a little camper van and starting to travel three months of the year in the little camper van and just actually embracing the fact that I could just kind of see all the beautiful places and, and not be at home taking kids to, you know, soccer training or, or whatever it is. Um, I seem to have strayed away from what the original question was. But, yeah. Well, I would like to say um, I think there's a real missed opportunity often in the narrative around embracing childless women as the aunties and the best girlfriends and the community that I have um, you know my I've only got one daughter and uh, there's a there's a narrative for me around that because I wasn't able to have a second and I used to I had her pram in our roof and I would go and visit the pram for like nine years I did not let go of that pram and I'd just go and sit with that pram hoping that there would be another baby in that pram but so for her I've made it that she's an only child and she has lots of people around her and I have childless friends my sister-in-law particularly and her relationship with my daughter is precious and I just think there's a missed opportunity in this community of women and saying you know what please be a part of our lives be a part of our family it's different and it needs to be different because children need relationships with women who aren't their mothers <laughs> it's so blessed that kind of relationship yeah and women who are mothers for reasons that are, I guess are a whole other conversation we could have are often doing it incredibly tough at the moment you know there's not enough childcare. you know they're being punished professionally if they take time out to look after children um you know the expectations of all the things they're meant to give their children just get higher and higher and higher and higher so sometimes I do look at other mothers and think, oh, my goodness, that just looks almost impossible, what you're being expected to do these days. Um, so, yeah, let us help those of us who want to. Not everyone who's childless <clears throat> will want to do that. For some people, it will remain so painful for so long that they will feel their only choice is not to spend time with children. And I totally understand and I totally respect that. Um, but, you know, I, I've, I've done a lot of offering over the years, a lot of offering to babysit, and it, it's very rarely been taken up. And I have, you know, felt very confused about that and wondered whether, um, yeah, several, as you said earlier, whether it's that we're not quite trusted but I, to have the skills to look I after mean, kids. I'm not saying that as far as please come and help. I'm saying that as far as I, I just think there's blessed relationships with senior women and children that is overlooked. I agree, Jo. I, I'd like to think I'm the best auntie in the world and I love goofing around with children. I yeah. literally just love seeing their tiny minds come up with the most outrageous things where I think that is hilarious. You just make me laugh. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, 
my husband had a milestone birthday and I spent a huge chunk of that time doing karaoke with an 11 year old and it was glorious. Like I just loved that experience. In fact, I think that children can learn from women, whether they're mothers, aunts, friends. I don't know. It's I don't know if that's a really, I actually don't even know if that's an insensitive thing for me to say, but I, I feel like we're missing that sense of community. It takes a village. I, I yeah. totally agree because, I mean, the other thing that's often thought of is if you're childless, you know, like, again, going back to what would you know? But if we're all problem solvers, right? We problem mm. solve in our days all the time. So if a mother is stressed in a particular situation and doesn't know how to problem solve something, some issue around their teenager, a childless friend or an aunt could step in and completely look at it from a a new lens and Mm. say, have you tried X, Y and Z? Because guess what? We've all been children at some point. We've all lived within families and grew up with siblings at some point or cousins at some point if we're an only child as, Mm. as in Willow. So it's not like we live in isolated bubbles. Mm. We, you know, we haven't had a lobotomy. We, we are fully functioning <laughs> members of society who can troubleshoot and problem solve. Yeah. I just, yeah. I, and I like, just, you know, I've been, I've been an auntie and, and, you know, absolutely loved that. And my sister's been incredibly generous in encouraging me to have time with my nephew. And I'm, I'll, I'll be forever grateful and I will forever adore that child and that will be probably the closest I'll ever come to having a child of my own. Mm. Um, I've, I've, we're running out of time as always, but I need to acknowledge your beautiful writing course, which if I had the time, I would do this. My gosh, Sean, I love it. It's uh, writing as therapy, which you can do uh, if we head along to your website, Um we're talking about resilience a lot today. What is it about writing that uh, is therapy? I'm a mad journaler, by the way, so I I wouldn't yeah. I couldn't survive without my writing yeah. as therapy. Well, so you probably already know, Joe, exactly what what it's about. Yeah, um, it's about um, having a conversation with ourselves on the page, in a way, and we will often find that we have knowledge and understandings hidden away in there that can really help us if we allow that knowledge to come out on the page. Um, So we do things like, we talk about this idea of the dialogical self, where we literally name different versions of ourselves and we write conversations between those different versions of ourselves. And the number of times people, you know, look up from the page and go, oh my God, that was amazing. I had no idea. that that would come out but that is very illuminating so and it's all online so it's very easy and you can do it in the safety and comfort of your own home um and yeah, i just love it i just love watching those kind of light bulb moments uh, on people's faces when they when they take the time to do the writing and find out all the things that they know it can be very um emotional though so I'm glad that people are doing it in the comfort of their home. I don't know if I would be courageous enough to do it in a room with other people. No, and you don't have to share. You don't have to share oh, anything that you write. Yes. It's all through yourself. <laughs> <laughs> right, like no one's going to read it. That's what I yeah, always say. Right. Yes. Um, and then burn it. <laughs> and perhaps burn it. Maybe photocopy it and then burn it. Would it still have the power if you know you've kept a copy? No, you just don't <gasps> keep it. You just burn it. You've dealt with those feelings. Or delete. 
<laughs> letting go, letting go. My goodness. Um, Sean, thank you so much for joining us and congratulations on the book, um, your second memoir. Um, it just, yeah, I love that you've written it. I think it's really, really important. Thank you so much, guys. This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. More of us. Broad Radio. Here for more. Wow, beautiful conversation. How does it feel for you having that conversation, Sample? Oh, look, uh, I got a little bit emotional. Mm. Uh, it brings up, you know, it brings up feelings for me. Mm. But I, I think I'm largely at peace with where I'm at life. Um, you know, I, I struggled with it for a while. It, it was difficult. But I think I can be a great auntie, like I said. I can be, you know, a great extended auntie for my friends' children. Plus also, I want to travel the world. Once this COVID business is done and dusted, I want to just grab my backpack and just... You're out of here. I'm out of here. Yeah. I'm very envious of Shan's um, camper vanning. Because she just goes to the beach and just, you know stays there and spends time just pondering life and taking in the sea and the sun and I'm like (laughs) I've jotted that down for when I'm 70 (laughs) or maybe 60 grey nomad (laughs) I totally (laughs) will be I totally will be and it speaks to what you were talking about earlier around this um the attention economy and how our attention is totally taken up by all of this information that's bombarding us Oh, I can't wait for that time where I go, not today. Just you and the beach. It's me and the beach and the sunshine and my camper van. Yeah. How delightful. I know. And a yoga mat? <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Yeah, 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 maybe. A dog. A dog. <laughs> and a dog. <laughs> then the dog will demand your attention, though. Ah. I'm de- I'm, maybe I'm addicted to dependence. That's, that is true. <laughs> Defines my life. You need to go cold turkey. <laughs> Sample, thanks so much for joining us again on Broad Radio. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM. 
for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.